Freedom, a beautiful word, longed for today more than ever. And now, what will you do? Will you fight or retreat? When challenges are set before you, will you lead with faith or by sight? Will you act with both kindness and courage? With might and compassion? See a king through the eyes of a child who finds beauty in brokenness and strength in weakness. A great king wields both the heart and sword. Find hope in a king that reveals the true path of victory. Hello, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Online Church. Today is a very special Sunday because today is Mother's Day. If you happen to be with your mom right now watching the service, drop a little red heart in the comment section right now. Now, if you are not with your mom, but you wish you were with your mom today, drop a little blue heart in the comment section right now. In light of that, I decided to invite a special guest teacher to co-teach this sermon with me today. So will you welcome with me Martha Alvarez? Drop a little clap emoji in the comment section. Come on, light it up. So happy welcome, to be Martha. here. Thank you. Listen, if you don't know Martha, Martha is an attorney and a Bible teacher. Her husband, Emilio, and her, they're members of Crossbridge, are dear members and friends of ours. So Martha, it's a huge honor to have you co-teach with me today. I've been wanting to do this for a very long time. Well, the honor is all mine. I am just so excited, humbled, and privileged to be here on Mother's Day. So I want to take the opportunity to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are out there and watching us. And like I said, thank you so much, Felipe, for inviting me. I am genuinely honored. And so speaking about honor, that happens to be the topic, yep, of, our our, topic of our teaching today. And I've truly been loving this series on the life of David. And I'm great. sure all of you that have been watching it with us and journeying with our Crossbridge family have been loving it as well. I actually taught in the Bible study on the life of David over a year ago for many weeks. And I have to say that it was one of my favorite Bible studies that I've ever taught, and particularly this chapter that you've invited me to co-teach with you today because it gives us a glimpse into the character and the heart of Saul and David. And so before I read the verse that we're going to uh, be teaching on today, I wanted to just bring us up to speed, give a little background, just to remind those that are tuning in where we are in the life of David. And if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. We're so happy to have you with us. But David has been anointed king of Israel by the prophet Samuel, but... There's an issue. Saul is still king. He's sitting on the throne, and he is filled with this terrible jealousy over David. And so he's literally on the hunt to kill him. And this has forced David to go running and hiding for his very life. So with that, I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 to 15. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, 
Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat rocks. And he came to the sheepfold by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to the men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also rose and went out of the cave and called after Saul. My Lord, the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks you harm? Behold this day, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hands in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. And I will not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness. But my hand shall not be against you. And whom, after whom has the king of Israel come out? After a dead dog? After a flea, may the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. So as we think about this uh, very important topic of honor, we're going to think about honor in uh, three different ways. Uh, first, we're going to define it, what honor is. Secondly, uh, why honor is important. And then lastly, how to live honorably before God and before others. How does that sound? Sounds wonderful. Okay. Uh, first, what honor is. Uh, honor means weight. Uh, the word for honor in the Bible in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word kabod, and it's the same root word for the word glory, and it means weight. When someone has weight, uh, you uh, listen to what they have to say. Their words matter. Their feelings matter uh, as well. So the simplest way to define honor is valuing others. That's the simplest way, I think, to define honor. 
Uh, the hardest thing about this uh, quarantine season for my family and I has been the fact that we cannot be with my parents who are now living in Miami. And it's been eight weeks now, and uh, we can't take the kids over, they can't come over. And the reason for that is because we deeply value their lives. We care for their health. It matters to us. There's a lot of expressions of gratitude towards um, first responders, healthcare workers during the season. Why? Because we deeply value their work. In fact, if you are a first responder, we'd like to honor you today. Thank you for your work during the season, putting your own lives at risk so that others uh, may be cared for during uh, this quarantine season. So thank you. Thank you very much. So here's David. He's running for his life. He is in the caves of Engedi, in the region of Engedi. Martha, you've been there. I've been there. This is actually a very smart choice for David because it's a very difficult terrain for a person like Saul to maneuver an army. Uh, it's, it's filled with mountains and cliffs and little caves. And so here's David. And the reason why he's hiding from Saul is not because David is weaker than Saul. It's not because David can't defend himself but it's because David wants to avoid being placed in a situation where he has to actually hurt Saul. Because at the end of the day, David honors Saul. See, Saul is his father-in-law, Saul is his king, and Saul is God's anointed one. Which means that at the end of the day, David honors Saul and his role as a king, and God is anointed one, and his father-in-law, because he honors God. And so he says here in the text, I refuse to put my hands on someone that God has anointed, which is a very beautiful principle here in scriptures that David refuses to curse anyone that God blesses. See, do not curse, never curse someone that God blesses. Never curse someone that God has placed in a, in a position of authority. That's not your place. And so David recognizes that. And that says so much about him as, as a man. And, and here's another principle about honor as we're defining honor today. Honor is weight, but honor says more about the person that gives than the person that receives. See, Saul is a dishonorable man. Saul doesn't deserve to be honored. Uh, Saul has uh, been uh, persecuting David trying to kill him. Saul has already gone after David's uh, character. Uh, Saul has even gone after David's wife, who is his daughter, Dave, uh, Saul's daughter, and he has uh, given David's wife to another man. He does not deserve honor, but David will still honor Saul. And it's beautiful here in the passage of how David, refer, how David refers to Saul. He calls Saul my father because he's his father-in-law. He calls Saul my Lord and my King. And that's a beautiful thing about him because David is secure on who he is. Uh, he is not uh, someone that uh, is trying to build his identity on anything else other than God. He is secure in that, and that's why he's able to honor uh, Saul. And, you know, another aspect of, of honor is this, is that... Um, you know, a person of honor like David is someone that lives by conviction instead of by convenience. See, for Saul, he is able to honor David for a portion of David's life when it's convenient for him. When David is his servant, his uh, general, when he's winning battles for him, 
when he's his son-in-law. But when David's now gaining the popularity of the crowd, when people are recognizing David's anointing, now it becomes very difficult for Saul to honor him. But David will honor him regardless because David doesn't live by convenience. David lives by conviction. And I know for some of you here today, it may be, it may be a, this may be a hard topic because you may have some hard leaders. Um, you may uh, be someone that's been hurt by, by your parents and your upbringing, right, Martha? There's a lot of people like that, I believe. But let me tell you something. Uh, uh, honor is, is not uh, covering people's mistakes. It's not failing to acknowledge uh, the wrong that they have done. Uh, it's not that. Uh, honor is not necessarily obeying. See, when you are an adult, you're no longer under the obligation to obey your parents. It doesn't mean that you will obey. In fact, David here uh, refuses to obey Saul because uh, he knows that Saul has the wrong motivations by which he's doing things. So he doesn't obey him either. Uh, honor doesn't even mean loving. You don't have to love somebody in order to honor them but you must still honor them. So let me ask you a question here today. Are you living by conviction or are you living by convenience? And is there someone in your life right now that you have failed to honor that you should honor today? Well, thank you, Felipe. I really love um, your definition of honor, that it's giving somebody weight. Because that definition, it just weighs heavily on our hearts, mm -hmm. and it makes honor come alive. And I love your question about, are we someone that live by convenience, or are we someone that lives by conviction? Mm -hmm. That's a convicting question. But that brings us to the second point that you want us to talk about, and that's the importance of honor. And so if we think of dishonor, it destroys community. And if we look right here in the text at the kingdom of Saul, which is the kingdom of Israel, we see that it's falling apart by the seams. Why? Because Saul stopped honoring God, and so he stopped honoring everyone else around him. And so as I think of the kingdom of Israel, as I think of Saul, I can't help but to think of our own nation of our own country, and of our political parties and all the division. And I'm not taking any sides. I'm not taking any political sides here. But I am saying that there is terrible division in our nation. Mm. And that stems from the terrible dishonor of one another. Mm. We are more fragmented than ever as a people. Mm. And as a result, we are a badly divided nation politically. Mm. I mean, people will sometimes hate you just because of the political party that you affiliate with. Immediately, if you say X, they will immediately characterize you and sum you up mm. to fit their portrayal of someone that belongs to that party. And so I'm thinking about this pandemic as well, and it's been disheartening to see how that politicizing even continues during the pandemic. Because so many times the political parties have the wrong motivation. It's not about solving what's going on. It's about throwing those punches at one another to see who has blame in order to elevate their political party. So it's sort of like this boxing match without gloves. And that is just shows you the terrible hatred and the terrible division in our nation. But I also want to say that we've seen a lot of good. 
We have seen so much good. And I am so proud of our Crossbridge family. I saw the video of all the food that was sent to Brazil, that was sent to Cuba. I see Miami Springs and Brickell feeding, uh, I think, over 1,300 families, Carter was saying. Unbelievable. But as I'm thinking of those in authority, and I'm so glad that you explained that honor does not mean that we agree. Honor does not mean that we endorse what someone has done. But God does ask us biblically to honor those in authority over us because it represents his ultimate authority over us. You know, Romans 13, 1 says that when we honor those in authority, we're actually honoring God. And that's powerful. And that is big. But I love this beauty about the scriptures as well, that we are not just called to honor those in authority. We're actually called to honor everyone. You know, 1 Peter 2.17 says, give everyone honor. And that's because all people are created in the image of God. All people are image bearers of their creator. We all have dignity. We all have worth. We all have value. And we all deserve honor. So if we look at our community and we look at all the social injustices, what's at the root of it? At the root of prejudice? At the root of racism? Even sex trafficking. It's because we dishonor one another. I mean, I was reading about this uh, young African-American man who was murdered. Yes. So disheartening. Have you seen that? And how they're so not even going after. It's just jogging. Yeah. And you see right there the dishonor because of someone's race. And so we have to see how important honor is because we see how it destroys the fibers of society and our community. And so I need to ask a question. What difference would it make in our culture and as a people if we honored one another simply because we're created in the image of God? What difference would that change in this Huge. young black man's life, in that family who forever is altered because of his death? And then the second point that I want to talk about the importance of honor is a promise that people that honor receive honor. And isn't that powerful? That people that honor receive honor. But if you look at the inverse, it's also true. People that dishonor are going to receive dishonor. And David said it in this passage when he was talking about Saul, who is dishonorable. He said, out of the wicked comes wickedness. And isn't that exactly what we're living in this story as we read it? And so I was thinking, if you usually see people that dishonor their parents. I love how you were talking about honoring your mother and father, and I'm the same way. I have not been able to see my mom because she is so high risk. She has um, lymphocytic leukemia, and so I don't want to put her at risk. But when you see people that dishonor their parents, usually their children are going to dishonor them. And so since it's Mother's Day, I can't pass up the opportunity to bring up the commandment of honor your mother and your father, because it's the only commandment with a promise. And so with my legal training, I sort of think as when God gave us the commandments, he gave us the Constitution. 
in how we are to relate to God and to relate to one another. And so the very first four commandments are how we relate to God to teach us not to have any other gods before him. But the fifth commandment and on, the last six, is how we relate to one another. And isn't it interesting that God would start with relating to our parents because, of course, that's the very first relationship we have, whether it's our biological parents or somebody else raised us, we all relate first to those who are bringing us up. But what is interesting is what, it's something that you said, that God put the word honor your mother and father. He didn't put love, your mother and father. He didn't put trust. He didn't put obey. He put honor your mother and your father just because of who they are. Not necessarily because you agreed with the way they raised you, not necessarily because you loved everything they did, but because honor is such a key cornerstone in all of our relationships. You know, and if you think of dishonor, it eats away at the fibers of our relationship at the trust level. And so, with our parents, but also in business. You know, if you're a business owner and you dishonor your employees, they're not going to honor you. Mm -hmm. And if you're an employee and you dishonor your boss, you can bet you're not going to get a promotion. You're not going to be looked at as somebody very loyal. And it also holds true in ministry as well, to honor one another in ministry. And so I had a situation a very long time ago where I was on this uh, ministry team. And there was this new member that came on the team. And right away, she began to make these little subtle comments about others on the team that were dishonoring. And they just didn't settle right. And after one too many comments, I realized if she's dishonoring them, she's speaking dishonorably about me as well. And so I had to have a really difficult and painful conversation to talk with this person, they could not stay on the team because it was going to erode the trust level of our team, the intimacy, the trust. And it did come out that she, in fact, had been speaking dishonorably about me as well. But I will say that eventually God brought restoration into that situation. But I bring it up because we cannot have a flourishing relationship with someone that dishonors us. And so I'd like to ask you, who has dishonored you? We've all been hurt by someone that has spoken words about us that are unloyal, that are painful, that have really broken our hearts. And so that just shows us how important honor is, and not just in business with parents, but with our spouses, with our children, with our friends. And so sometimes we think, well, maybe someone's dishonoring me, but I think it's good in this passage to do a little heart check. How are we dishonoring someone else? And maybe that's why that relationship is not flourishing. And I love your question as well. Who could God be asking us to honor just a little bit more? To let them know that they value, that they have value to us, that they have weight. You know, what friend? What person in your life needs to know their importance, that they have a position of honor? 
Yeah, I, I love uh, what you're saying, uh, Martha, because at the end of the day, you know, it, it's a promise uh, as the Bible teaches us in uh, in the in the in the tenth commandment, um, in the tenth commandment. Sorry, not the tenth commandment, but in the ten commandments. And at the end of the day, it's 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 something that's good for us. It does us good uh, to live lives of honor, honoring others. It's good for us. And when we do that, when we lean into this promise. We help to cultivate a culture where everyone is able to flourish. So uh, last question, last point, uh, how do we live honorably before God and before others? How do we live honorably? Uh, remember what I said in the beginning, that uh, the simplest way to define honor is valuing others. And you cannot value others. That's the first thing I'll say. You cannot value others unless you value yourself. You know, one interesting thing about this story is you have these two kings, right? Uh, you have Saul, who is the current king, and then you will have David, who is the future king. And they've both been picked by God in a very generous and gracious way. Um, you know, we know that Saul uh, was from the tribe of Benjamin, which was the weakest and the smallest tribe of Israel. And God called him out of the smallest and the weakest tribe to become king over all of Israel. And David was the last son of his father's household, son of Jesse. He was the shepherd boy, the weakest one, the smallest one. And God does not pick uh, his older brothers, the stronger ones, but God picks David to be the king. They were both chosen by God out of God's grace. God showed lavish grace towards them. And they responded in two very different ways. Uh, uh, Saul rejected that grace. Uh, that grace was never enough for him. And David plunged into that grace of God. And that grace became foundational for David's uh, life and for his uh, kingship and for his ministry and, and for the way in which he wrote songs and poetry. It was foundational uh, for David. Yet Saul rejected that, that grace and that love. And, and therefore, uh, Saul's whole life was lived with this desire to prove himself because God's love and God's favor over him was not enough for him. He was always looking over to the people, uh, to the people that were standing next to him, wanting their love, wanting their approval. And he began to drive his life into the ground because no amount of approval from the people is enough to satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. There's no human honor that you can receive that will make you feel worthy. And it will just put you on that hamster wheel of, of working really hard and trying to perform in order to gain people's favor. And, and you know what I'm afraid is that a lot of you today are in that hamster wheel as well. You're living Saul's life. You uh, don't know how uh, valuable you are. You don't have a sense of self-worth. And you're trying really hard to gain that from the approval of others. And you're driving your life into the ground. You're driving your life into the ground. You know, I remember reading this uh, Obed piece in the New York Times uh, a long time ago. It was about this successful writer. He wrote this very successful book. And, uh, you know, it, it became one of the bestsellers at the time. 
Uh, but then he could never write another book that would measure up to the first one. And he began to describe the internal crisis that he began to face because he was always chasing that approval that he had once received that he no longer had in the present. And he, there was a very powerful line in that piece. He said, uh, the problem is because I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth. Isn't that powerful? Very powerful. And, and some of you are living your life that way right now. And it's not enough. And you need, look, look, you need to know how valuable you are, that you are enough, and that you are loved. Mm, that is so good, Felipe, mm. and so true, that you cannot value others until you know how valuable you are. But ironically, it's also true that you can only value others when you've been valued. By others. Mm. Isn't that ironic that that is also true? And so if we look at Saul right here in this passage, he was okay back in chapter 15 when Samuel told him he was going to lose the kingdom. He was okay with that as long as he had the approval and the favor of the people. But what happened? The women began to favor David over Saul. There was this chant that the women were singing, you know, because Saul was a warrior too. And they said, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. So right there, David is gaining popularity. And that really bothered Saul. Then the people were preferring David. And then his son and his daughter gave David more honor and valued David over him. And at that point, Saul could not take it. His insecurities ate him up, and he was a mess. He fell apart. And that's why we see him chasing and hunting down David because of this jealousy that is eating him up. So Saul's heart, it reveals a truth about every single one of our hearts, that we are incapable of validating ourselves. We are all incapable of affirming ourselves. Every single one of us needs to hear that outside voice from somebody else that says, you matter and that I matter. We all need that validation. And so I'm thinking of Tolkien, of Lord of the Rings, and I love this quote where he says, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all reward. Isn't that beautiful? And the praiseworthy is God. I mean, who else? Mm -hmm. Who else's praise is above all reward? So if we look at the life of Saul, if he had regained his sense of value and of worth in God, of who he was in God, his end would have been so different. You know, he would not have had to continue chasing David he could have thought, all right, so this younger leader is coming, but this is God's plan. I've been God's anointed. I am the first king of Israel. I've had the favor of God. All these battles that he was victorious in, but instead he allowed the insecurities to eat him up. And God was very gracious with Saul because although Always. he told him, your descendants will not sit on the throne. Saul would be king until he died. Mm. 
God did not depose him as king. And so Saul could have regained his sense of honor and he could have said, I will live honorably and leave an honorable legacy, honor God and honor my people. But because he chose that path of dishonor, his end was disastrous. It was dishonorable. And so we look at David. And I love what you said about David because it's such a contrast to Saul. I mean, like you said, how could David honor Saul? Someone who was trying to take his life, who was forcing him to be hiding in these caves, who was anointed to be the next king. How could he call him my father, like you said, my Lord, my king? Because there's a truth in David's heart that rings true for all of us. David knew that his worth and his value was secure mm. in the hands of God and God alone. Mm. And you see, when we have the voice of the most important being of the universe, the creator of the universe itself, affirming us, mm -hmm. telling us that we matter, that we have value, then it doesn't matter what anybody else has to say or how they disapprove about us. We are secure because see, in Christ, we are God's beloved. In Christ, we are affirmed. And if we look at the cross, we see that Jesus Christ bore our dishonor. He bore our shame on the cross. And what are we given? We're given his honor so that we will never have to face this life feeling dishonorable, feeling unworthy. Because in Jesus, we are worthy. And so you know what that means? That means like David, we can honor others even when they're undeserving of that honor because we are secure, that we are so worthy that it cost the life of Jesus. Wow, this is so good. If I had a handkerchief here, I, I would throw it. I would throw the handkerchief. I learned from the best. <laughs> yeah, um, that's so powerful, beautiful. Um, so Martha, how do we take this gospel? This is the good news of the gospel, right? That uh, Jesus exchanged our dishonor for his honor. Uh, we have God's honor because Jesus took our dishonor on the cross and he paid the penalty in our, in our behalf. So how do we take that good news of the gospel and we apply it to this present situation? Yeah. Because I'm sure that there's a lot of women that need to hear this good news of the gospel. There's a lot of people that uh, have lost their job. Uh, there's a lot of people going through financial hardships right now and, uh, and have their careers compromised. So, so how do we apply the gospel, Martha, uh, to this day and age to real people, real lives going through what they're going through right now? Well, I want to talk to, first of all, the moms out there, because let's face it, we all struggle with insecurities and with a feeling of inadequacy. Even though we know that our worth is in Jesus, we all struggle. And so I'm thinking of all those moms out there who've had to shift in order to do virtual school online. And maybe you see all these other children doing wonderful, thriving, and your kids, they're not doing so well. You find them fighting, and maybe you're screaming at them for most of the day, and you're feeling pretty much like a failure in that department. 
Or maybe you're looking at all those Instagram stories of all these families having all this fun in the quarantine. You know, everybody seems to have like the perfect outing on their bicycles and skating and what have you. I mean, I saw one the other day where this young girl gets up and she makes breakfast for her mom, her dad, her brothers and her sisters and has it all ready when the parents wake up. I mean, that's enough to make me feel insecure. I have adult <laughs> grown daughters living at home and they're not doing that. So, and then what about as women, you know, we're home, there's not much to do but eat. So how many of us aren't struggling because we've gained some weight? I know that I have. So what can I say, which is the reality that our worth, our significance, our value doesn't come from the performance of our children. It doesn't come from our performance as a mom. It doesn't come from a number on a scale. It comes from Jesus Christ. We are worthy and we are valuable in him. And we should not be playing that comparison game that Saul was doing here with David. Mm -hmm. And then for those of you that are struggling financially, I mean, that is a real, real, real right now pain in the hearts of so many. We don't even know the long-term repercussions of this pandemic financially for so many. So maybe you've been laid off from your job and someone that you thought was less valuable than you was kept on and you're feeling sort of like a failure in that job. Or maybe your paycheck has been cut in half if there's even a paycheck. Or maybe your portfolio and your stocks, you see them dipping and declining. See, we need to remember that our worth is not in the opinion of any man. It's not in any job. It's not in any profession. It's not in our portfolios, but it's in Christ. And when we grasp that truth, not just with our heads, but we let it sink deep into our hearts, it brings such freedom in the way that we live because our insecurities are drowned. They don't stand a chance next to the love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We drop an amen in the comment section right now. Uh, thank you so much, Martha. This was so valuable. It's so important to remember that because Jesus took our dishonor, we can receive his honor. And the same approval that Jesus enjoys from his Father, it's available to us now if we put our life's trust in him. So maybe you that are at home today, you're listening to this good news of the gospel for the very first time and uh, I'd like you to experience that sense of love that can come from depositing your life's trust in Jesus. Uh, even for some of us who are believers, we tend to live our lives and forget. May uh, God reorient your heart today once again towards him by reminding you of Christ's love for you. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me if you would like not only to just experience this for the first time or restore this love of God in your life. Will you repeat after me? Father, we acknowledge you today as a loving God. We honor and we praise your name. Uh, Father, we acknowledge that we have been giving uh, honor uh, to people that uh, are unworthy of our honor. Father, we acknowledge that we have built our life's identity around others rather than you. 
And Father, that is the very reason why there's no honor in our lives. Uh, Father, allow us to be reminded today that Jesus took our dishonor on the cross so that we can receive his honor. Father, allow us to experience this, if not for the very first time, but continuously after this. Uh, Father, we come to Jesus and we ask for mercy and for grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray this prayer for the very first time, fill out the connection card. There's a link in the comment section right now. Or simply say a word right there in the comment section. Or put a little, you know, raising your hand type of emoji. Somebody will reach out to you. God bless you. I hope that this has been a meaningful experience for you. I hope that God has spoken to you today. Let's continue to worship. Will you stand with me?